This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. All Trust right. us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. Yeah, just don't be him. watching the show in the background, Susanna, because it'll... Oh, oh. Hi, no, boy. Don't, definitely not. <laughs> no, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Prevention 24-7, 365, and sponsored by all the great people that you see uh, screening by us right now, and you'll hear more about it in detail at the bottom of the hour. And we are, of course, in God's country, the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. And every fourth Thursday of the month, we feature Dance Alive National Ballet on the Ward Scott Files. And we've got a tremendous uh, activity coming up very soon here in about two weekends, I believe, if I have my math right. Maybe it's just one. Time sneaks up on you. Uh, we'll straighten that out and give you a particular date in a moment. But this has become one of the premier social activities in our community. And by community, I don't just mean the city of Gainesville. I mean the entire county. And it's located in the beautiful city of Alachua at Legacy Park. And if you haven't been to Legacy Park, you have really missed one of the great uh, venues in our community. And uh, if you need help getting there, why get a hold of me. You know how to get a hold of me at wardscottfiles.com or uh, text message me. Uh, 352-339-0337. I'll give you directions on how to get there. And we're going to talk about this Champagne Gala, which is a big fundraiser that's grown every year uh, and getting bigger and bigger. And more and more people involved in the community look forward to it. And basically, to tell you how it is set up, we have a guest here with us. But I'll preempt her just a little bit to say that a member of the community dances with a professional dancer. So if it is a male member of the community, it's a professional female dancer. And if it is a, 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 a other way around, of course, that. And they practice. This is the thing people don't really realize, having been in Dancing with the Stars, my own self here. Uh, you got to practice every weekend for a long time with your partner and make yourself uh, available out there without embarrassing yourself. I quickly learned that there was a big difference between the, uh, the barroom dancing I had done on top of tables now and then. Um, uh, accompanied by a consumed pitcher of beer, perhaps, uh, uh, and dancing with a professional dancer. So uh, Susanna Petty is with us today. I'm going to introduce her and have her introduce herself to you first and give you have her give you her background and what got her involved and what she's doing now, and we'll segue into what we're going to be doing at the Champagne Gala. Suzanne, welcome to the Ward Scott Files. Thank you so much for having me, Ward. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to promote the Champagne Gala because it really is the premier event in all of Gainesville and Alachua County every year. Well, talk about that. How did you get involved and who are you? Let's find out who you are. Sure. Uh, I, you know, I always thought everybody knew me, but you'd be surprised. Almost nobody knows you. So uh, <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah, I apologize. No. I apologize. I don't, I don't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am. A, I run a company in town. Uh, we uh, manage short-term rental properties, and I also have an inn in town, and I've been doing that for about twelve years. And you I've have lived an in inn? twelve years. Yeah. Let, let, let's have a let's have a plug for that while we're here. Well, sure. So I run Southern Comfort Properties, and we we're the management company for vacation rentals in Gainesville. And we are we our properties are under Stay Gainesville, and uh, we've got five bedroom houses, six bedroom houses, one bedroom condos. We've got the whole gamut, and we have an inn with hotel rooms. Um, so if you're if you're coming to Gainesville, look us up on staygainesville.com, and we can give we can provide housing for you. Well, there you go, a free ad. How about that? We well, don't. How about that? Do that? Thank you, Ward. <laughs> Didn't know I'd get a free ad today. <laughs> <laughs> but then so, that doesn't really explain how you got involved with Dancing with the Stars. It doesn't. So <laughs> my I've lived in Gainesville for about twenty years, and I've always been a community person. I've always volunteered wherever I go, and about I guess about four years ago. I somebody asked me if I want to be a Dancing with the Stars. And I thought, oh gosh, I do not want to be in front of a crowd of people. I'll fall on my face. And, and then she kept <laughs> asking me. And then she was super smart and asked one of my friends to do it. 
and my friend agreed. And then she said, Hey, Lauren's doing the dancing with the stars too now. And I think you guys should do it together. And I thought, Oh boy. Okay. Now I have to do it. And so I said, yes. And you are so right. It is so different. Uh, trying to learn a dance when you're not dancing on a bar table is very, very difficult. <laughs> and it took me about eight, I want to say at least <clears throat> nine, 10 practices at an hour each. And I still thought I was going to fall on my face during the performance. <laughs> and then after I was a star with Dancing with the Stars, Kim uh, said, hey, how about you chair the gala? And I thought, well, why not? I, <laughs> so here I am. This will be my third third gala that I've chaired, and it's a pleasure always working with the stars and the dancers. Um, it's always a new, wonderful group of people that participate, and the the uh, the professional dancers are really what this is for: is to support them and their their love of the arts. And I mean, Dance Live is just a gem in this community, and I think not enough people know about it. And I think with the Dancing with the Stars, we get new people on board and part of the family every year. Well, that's a certainly a very accurate uh, uh, promotion of what we're doing. Um, Dancing with the Stars is our version of what you, the listening audience and viewing audience may have seen, of course, uh, uh, on the nationwide program. And it's every bit as exciting. And I would say even more so because these are people from the community that you very well know. This year, for example, John Pastore is dancing and he's crime prevention. And uh, he's going to have a professional partner. And I'm looking forward to that because one of the things you want to find out if you know these people is do they have two left feet or can they actually get out there and not make a fool of themselves and look great? And they're, everybody's so competitive and proud about it that they work on it. There is nobody out there who is not putting a lot of time into it. You know, I mean, it's it's the real deal. So, that uh, is the truth. Well, speaking of John, yeah. I saw John's video on Facebook the other day, and he is great. He is, uh, he is de you can definitely tell that he is quite the natural dancer. Well, let's talk about the use of Facebook and the promotion and raising yeah. money. How does that work? Our stars have set up Facebook pages uh, through Facebook fundraising, and they can promote their page, and you can go on, and it's so easy to donate. It literally takes one or two clicks. That's it. It is the easiest, best thing ever, and I... I hear that you and Freddie Weeby were the uh, creators of the Facebook marketing for Dance Live, and it has been a game changer. Ever since that came about, the the stars have easily uh, been able to promote, and and they're they everybody says, "Wow, my friend from kindergarten donated." All these people came out from my elementary school and middle school and high school, and it was amazing how many people supported me. So I think it gives the stars a boost too, because it's sort of an exciting way to reconnect with people like this is what I'm doing and and they're all scared to death so they're excited for the support <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah we have I think we were the first to suggest the Dancing with the Stars to make use of um, uh, the media platforms that are available for everybody and it's been very successful here you say it because you have a a, um, a high altitude view of all this and that's why we have Sudan on the show today she uh, understands and I want to go through this three-year history you have with it from the time you got involved to now, what changes have you seen or happened? And tell us about that. Absolutely. Well, I, I had the pleasure of, uh, as soon as I said yes to it, the world changed with COVID. And uh, all of a sudden in the fall, they, we were traditionally, the uh, event had been at the Rights Union. And all of a sudden, they had a limit of 50 people for an event. So er, we had to... <laughs> Uh, we had to completely find a new venue uh, last minute, or not last minute, but uh, we had to call around and uh, Kim was able to get in touch with the uh, Legacy Park in Alachua. And it is a huge space. And it, when you walk in, it's five basketball courts. It's huge. And you think, how in the world is this going to be a, a venue for such an elegant gala? And and we have people like Dan Hathcock, who is uh, doing the decorations and planning the event, who transform it. And you would not in a million years think that it was in a basket, that this thing is a basketball court by day <laughs> and, and beautiful yeah. gala at night. It's just it's magical how it transforms. And well, we were very lucky in that. So the first year that we did it. We had everything, we had table sizes limited to four. The tables were spread out as far as possible. Everybody had to wear masks. So that was an interesting year to, to do an event, but it was successful and we got super lucky that, uh, that everybody was safe and had fun. 
then the next year we decided, well, this is a great venue. We have uh, blue, we can bring in whatever caterer we want. And of course we brought in the best. We brought in Blue Water Bay, uh, both uh, for all three of these. And he is by far the best uh, caterer for all of your events. But uh, it runs so smoothly now because we, we just have a formula. We, um, we pick the, the best people in town that we can find that haven't already danced before. And then we get them excited and we transform the room and it fills up with around 500 people. And it's just a, a fun event. And um, I think the changes that I've seen have, have just been the, the, the amount of uh, draw that people are able to bring on. I think that is through Facebook because people are highly encouraged to promote, 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 and it's fun. And I think people, they'll give little snippets of their dance practices and it's so fun to watch people get better and better as they keep practicing. And then and then the night of, of course, it's just, it you it's so amazing how people, you all of a sudden think, gosh, they, they really pulled it off. They did great. <laughs> well, it is really something if, um, as you say, when you step in, you see all of the flower arrangements and the tables and uh, the dance floor, which is a pretty significant uh, space to dance in. Lots of room for these dancers to move about. <clears throat> Let's talk about uh, what one can expect if one attends. That's, there's, there's food. Uh, there's, there's dancing after the dance competition. Let's talk about that. Sure. So the we open the doors at 530 and you'll walk in and there's going to be a champagne wall so you can grab your first glass of champagne before you even enter the ballroom. You walk in and then there's going to be a smaller auction this year, but with really good uh, trips, uh, just really good items that uh, we're, we've gotten on consignment and then others have been donated. And then you walk in and you can get your picture taken by uh, Philip Marcel, who's doing the photography this year on, on the step and repeat. And then you can walk in and start talking with all of your friends and, uh, and then start eating. And then lights will uh, you know, flicker at a certain point. And Kim will, actually, Eric O'Day will introduce all the dancers this year because he'll be our um, MC. And then you will be uh, just blown away by the, the stars and the, um, the dancers and all of their routines. I think about eight people will be in the first half. And then we have a break. And Goshen Ali are the band at, at the event. And then we'll have the last set of dancers dance. And then uh, the judges get together and uh, decide who wins the judges' choice. But we also, we have three prizes for the stars to compete. We have one that is the judges' choice. So we have uh, three local judges that will uh, judge how the dancers dance um, and their routines and difficulty. And we have a surprise uh, VIP judge that I don't even know who it is. So we'll find out when we get there. Really? Really? Yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, so we've got a fourth judge that uh, we'll, uh, nobody knows about. Um, so we'll all find out that night. And then the second prize is who can raise the most money. And that is called the people's choice. And so whoever make, raises the most money that it's very clear, you can, your friends can send a check. They can do it Facebook. They can go on the champagnegala.org. So champagnegala.org, you can also vote. And uh, so we add up all the, the money that night and that's who wins. And then the third award, which is a new award, is the cheering section award. So whoever brings in the most- uh, Really? I didn't hear about that one. Tell me about we that. We added it this year because we realized, gosh, you know, people sp you know, sp spend so much time trying to get people to come to the event, they should be awarded for it. So last year we had Aubrey Hall who probably had five tables full of friends and <clears throat> she would have won last year if, uh, if we had had that award. But we, we want to make sure that people get um, as much credit as possible for all the efforts that they put in. So it's really if the, the, the dancer, like in the case of Aubrey Hall, who is very, well, very much involved this year, of course. Yes, he's my co-chair. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, brings in uh, many tables and that's the way you judge the cheering award, a number of tables? That's it. The number, well, the number of tickets that people, I got you. Emily's going to ask everybody who, if they came to cheer somebody on and whoever they say that they came to watch is who they're going to get credit for, or that's who's going to get credit. And then that'll be our third award. So you've got an official role here that is kind of the supreme organizer. Is that what we're hearing? <laughs> I like to say that uh, I, I'm sharing the role with uh, Aubrey, who's co-chair, who has been, I call her the star whisperer, because she is the one who has been 
working with the stars this whole time and encouraging them. Um, and Emily Posick, who has been also oh, yeah. helping the stars with their Facebook pages and everything else. Emily does everything. Then we have Stacy Ellis, who runs Baby Gator, and she does, I don't know how she does it, but she organizes all the tables and all the logistics for the volunteers. And that is quite a job. So I am very, very grateful for her. We just have a great team. It runs so smoothly. And then we've got um, Carol Fiola is heading the auction this year. So we we just have a great team. And I'm so thrilled. We already have a bunch of volunteers, but we could take we can take as many more as uh, as. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that with you because if one wants to volunteer, how does one do that? Uh, actually, you can call text me directly if you want, and I'll get your information. Six four six two two one nine two seven six. We will be so happy. We'll give you you know some of the schools. You have to get a certain number of volunteer hours, so we'll make sure to sign off on those. And if you do the night one, if the cleanup one, we'll give you double hours. So. Wow, wow, wow. Maybe the, maybe production can put that on the chat line, which uh, I've been uh, kind of looking for, haven't found yet. But uh, um, yeah, yeah, that's a good, put that up on the chat line, please, if you can, production. Uh, we're talking with Susanna Petty, who I guess just volunteered for this? Or you get roped in, or how did that work? I would say I have a hard time saying no. And so I said, sure, why not? And then I thought, oh my gosh, this is a lot. This is a lot to organize. But luckily I had, um, I have great people to work with. And luckily people knew what they were doing before I knew what I was doing. So they were able to guide me through the process. <laughs> you know, so, I, used, I, I used to have a saying when you know I was in the classroom for years and I used to tell the students, they always wanted to, the, all these guarantees before they would do something. You know, well, what what am I going to get? What's my grade? The one had all these things they had to be comfortable for they do it, so they wouldn't do it. Because, and I used to tell them, and you just you remind me of this: the only way to know is to take the path of not knowing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'd say that everything. I think. Huh? <laughs> Otherwise, if you knew what everything entailed, you, you would knew. say that everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. How, how do you how do you learn? You just jump in and then you sort of look back and revise. And that's kind of what we've done under your guidance the last three years. We've constantly revised the efficiency, the presentation, uh, the whole uh, dramatic effect of all this. Uh, Is there anything that we found more challenging than others that we had to work on that we've gotten over? I would say the biggest challenge is finding male stars. And so every year... We struggle, and uh, I think um, so. If male males out there, please um, put it in your head that it is a fun, fun event, and we need you. And <laughs> you know how they got you know how they got me in. me And they said, "I'll get you a good-looking girl." <laughs> <laughs> that well, will do all, the same thing. <laughs> they're all good-looking, so you can't lose. Exactly, right? you can't. <laughs> you can't lose. They're all- Sweet, smart, beautiful, talented. So you, yeah, you'll have so much fun. Yeah, and and you get great exercise. But for oh, you know, exercise be damned. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> y'all get you a good looking partner. Okay, I'm in. You know, and, uh, and so that's, we'll, that's the line we'll use next year for sure. You better use it because there's all of them are good looking, and oh. uh, and you'll and uh, you'll really have a. Here's a, here came for me, it became a memorable, I would even say, go so, so far as to say kind of a life-changing event because my mother was a dancer um, and I brought her to Dancing with the Stars when she was 100 years old. And she wow. danced with one of the dance instructors to uh, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog by Elvis Presley. Oh and my goodness. mother, kind of a sassy lady at the time, she lived to be, as I say, 107 and a half. But uh, she came back to me, I said, Mother, how'd you like that? She said, well, he's not very good. <laughs> she whispered that to me. You know, well, my mother's standards in dance were so high, you know. Imagine a hundred-year-old lady out there dancing and doing the, the to rock and roll that you ain't nothing but a hound dog. And that's, um, that's classic. You know, and she she's she just that way. But what I credit her longevity a lot to her athletic ability and training as a dancer. Um uh, and I'm, I've talked about this before, but the discipline it goes into. And by the way, if the people missed Horse of a Different Color, man, did they miss a production. Oh, Ani's oh, production? Did, oh, I've my gosh. I've never seen anything oh. like that. Yes. That yeah. means that was an amazing production. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it just, if you can appreciate nothing else about ballet, that production will help you appreciate the athletic ability of these people. Absolutely. And constantly in training and how they are enormously disciplined 24 7, 365. There's yeah. no let up. You mm-hmm. know, I've never known one of them to get out of, sh- out of shape, you know. Oh, never. I mean, and my friend Ani Collier did one of the uh, the uh, dance, did the one with the, uh, I think it was called Ethereum or the one with the, um, where the bodies moved uh, to in sync and the lights, their hands were lit up. But she's she was a dancer with Dance Alive. And that's another reason that I got involved is because uh, our sons have grown up together and they're like brothers and she is a dancer. And when you say you're if you're a dancer, you're a dancer for life. I won't say how old she is, but she still dances almost every day. And she still goes to football studios and takes classes and keeps her, you know, mentally sharp. So I I think it's a very I should dance more as I guess uh, if I want to <laughs> You know, it's uh, it is uh, it's high energy and it's healthy and it's wholesome and it's uh, enjoyable socially. And even if you don't dance, if you're out there listening, you say, oh, my golly, I can't go to this. You're going to have a great time talking with people. You can roam around the entire facility as we conduct this activity and meet people. Perhaps you haven't seen for a while and uh, just really enjoy yourself. It's uh, a legacy park in itself. And we do outside dances at Legacy Park, which are amazing. We've done the Nutcracker up there at the outdoor oh, stage. That. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, you know, I'm very proud of the way the city of Alachua has taken to a ballet because uh, I'm in Alachua and I'm involved with Alachua. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're the good life community. And we've always said that. And I went to the movers and shakers a while back and said, you know, if you're really the good life community, uh, we need culture. And we have a lot of sophisticated people in this community because of the tech startups and uh, the innovation and progress park and all that. Uh, there are a lot of very bright people here who really take right away to this social activity because it's such a perfect fit for those types of, not that everybody's not. And the other end of it all is children. Children love this. I mean, even if they're not going to become dancers, they get discipline from this and they learn how to work as a team and how to work as individuals and be proud of themselves. So uh, I'm very much uh, uh, high on that part of it too. And I think this is where Emily comes in so much with community outreach and the kids. Very true. Yeah. Thomas Susanna Petty, who has volunteered and, you know, <laughs> how it is in the old army, don't volunteer for something, you know. You'll be <laughs> the and um, she's at the front line of this activity we call Champagne Gala. We really kind of outgrew uh, where we used to have it. it was Wright's Union, and believe it or not, there was uh, some strict capacity limits on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no capacity limits that I'm aware of at Legacy Park. It can hold 900 people easily. That is and, true. Um, we would pack in 900 if 900 people wanted to come. We'll pack in. We have plenty of parking. It's uh, it's a, a wonderful place to be. So what you can do now, if you're interested, let's run through who the if you have this information on the top of your head, who the teams are of dancers. Do you know that? Why, I certainly do. I will introduce them. We have Brandy Smith, who's going to be dancing with Andre Valadon. We have Aaron Buss, who's going to be dancing with Roberto Vega. We have Carrie Crawford Kaysen dancing with Michael Singleton. We have Mai Dean, who's dancing with Talis Ribeiro. Julia Ariette is dancing with our own Tim, Tim Cannon, who is also a volunteer. He's uh, been one of our pros every year, and but he's a community professional, but a very good dancer. We have Jacqueline Brooks Manfredi, who's dancing with Gabrielle Lopez. We have Mary Reichart dancing with Natan Fernandez. Lori Parent dancing with Luan Brito. Natalia, Natalia Bannister-Rob dancing with Jose Ramos. Frank, and now our male stars, Frank Buchanan is dancing with Luana Rosaya. Right, sorry, I pronounced that wrong. Uh, Gregory Snodgrass with Amelia Leon. Adam Lee with Rachel Ridley. Brian Marchman with Rosemary DiOrio. Thomas Huntley with Ashley Brooke Valadon. And our own John Pastore with Julia Pinheiro. <laughs> Santiago Villamil with Bia Povas. 
Karsten Derendorf with Beatrice Correa. And that is it. And I apologize if I mispronounced any names there. I'm sure I did, but um, you guys are wonderful. And we're so grateful for all of you, the stars, the dancers. It, it's a tremendous amount of time and dedication to be a dancer. And we really greatly appreciate you. Well, you know, I know some of the backstories on the, I know that they're very competitive, the males especially. Well, not all the women are too, because they're kind of divas, but. Oh, they are, they are. Yeah, they're divas, they're, you know, they they, they, they definitely. <laughs> yeah, you, everyone you mentioned is a diva. So anyway. Oh, um, diva, okay, yeah, yes, they are yeah, divas. Yeah, 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 oh yeah, you know. Uh, I learned that very quickly from Kim. All these women now are divas, you know. <laughs> but uh, I know Dr. Snodgrass is incredibly competitive. And he's out there really uh, beating the bushes for votes and money. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. He was one of the first ones I saw with a Facebook page. And I thought, you go, yeah. Dr. Snodgrass. <laughs> but that's the way it should work. I mean, that's that's what it's really all about, getting people like uh, John and, and Gregory Snodgrass and people like that involved and then getting their friends to come in and become aware of dance life. Because the end goal really is to enrich the community through culture and arts. And uh, so those of you who don't know, we might plug just for a moment that we have a capital project coming. Uh, we have a piece of land. We have a place where we're going to build a um, an artistic center for the entire county built around dance, but there'll also be an art gallery, uh, things of that nature. So, um, and the city fathers of Gainesville are all for this. Everybody is on board for this. This will be in the city of Gainesville, but it will be really a community-wide project. There are grants that have come in from various sources that endorse the arts. Um, and we have a little challenge because the two ladies who have um, really been the, the, the sweat equity and all the above uh, for uh, Dance Alive are getting to their retirement age. And um, we're going to have to somehow, some way, uh, duplicate them if that's possible, Suzanne. I think it's impossible. I think it's going to take 10 people to even come close to doing all the work that they do. <laughs> I, I tell you, they do everything from sewing costumes to um, you name it, and they're out there doing it. And then, of course, we pitch in as much as we can. Um, we supply a lot of the toys for the Nutcracker kids. Uh, my wife and I do that. We don't talk about it, but we do it because the little kids are always so, so much fun. And also, one of the things that happens here that people may not know about is for the Nutcracker, the St. Augustine School for the Deaf and Blind come down here uh, with buses of kids from the school. And a lot of things that people don't know, they enjoy ballet by sitting on the floor, Susanna, as you probably know, and feeling the vibrations of the dance. I did not even think of that. That's, that's yeah, incredible. They, they cannot see or hear, but they can feel and so when they come off the bus, which is always quite moving, one year I sponsored that whole bus trip down here um, to make sure they could come. Um, they get off the bus. They all have professional people with them. Uh, they go in and they go up on the stage and they sit on the floor. And that's wow. how they enjoy the dance. And then at the end, the dancers come over and they interact with the dancers. You know, uh, Not all of them uh, can, you know, some can't hear, but they can see and vice versa. Occasionally there's maybe particularly a Helen Keller type in there, you know, but it's a fantastic organization. Really proud to be involved with that. So for those of you who are listening to the show, we're about out of time at the bottom of the hour here. There's plenty of room for you to volunteer to help promote the arts in the community. Uh, get a hold of me if you can't get a hold of anybody else. Dancealive.org has its own page. Uh, come to the Champagne Gala and uh, we can always use a helping hand plenty of things to volunteer to do and uh, most of us are just volunteers uh, we mm -hmm. step in here and it's a lot of fun you're around a lot of really good people in the community who uh, come from all walks of life and um, kind of come together for this challenge so anything you want to wind up here real quickly with Suzanne get your tickets now the event is March 4th so it is right around the corner so um, if you haven't gotten your ticket yet just go straight to champagnegala.org you can buy your ticket online. You can vote for your for your star. Make sure to uh, let Emily know who you're coming to root for. But don't miss this because it is so much fun. And you, you'll be very, you'll have, uh, what is that called? Fear of missing out. Um, have, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but you will be missing out if you don't come. So you, if you have FOMO, then uh, it's a real thing <laughs> if you miss well, this you, one. You've been a delight to talk to. And uh, you got a lot of energy and uh, vitality and 
charm and all the above. And you actually are the kind of right now the kind of the face of Dance Alive Champagne Gala. You do a great job with that. So well, thank uh, you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, anybody out there us. who wants to be co-host next year, give me a call. <laughs> oh, but that's okay. We'll promote all that. We'll promote yep. all that. Thanks a lot, Suzanne. Okay, we're going to break on the yeah, take a, we're going to take a break on the Ward Scott Files of Weather. We'll come right back, hopefully, with our next guest, Ambassador Francis Rooney, uh, Rooney, who is the ambassador to the Holy See and a former representative of U.S. Congress. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to the Ward Scott Files. We have Ambassador Rooney on the phone with us moment, but we will be talking for a moment about Ward's weather report. For just a few minutes here, we've got a storm that's leaving hundreds of thousands without power out west. We've got kind of a schizophrenic weather report for the nation. Meanwhile, we've got record challenging warmth forecast for the southeast here where we are in the north uh, central Florida, Piney Woods, God's country. Uh, we've got grass growing in February and the cows are out here eating it. Uh, I've got to start thinking about stopping hauling hay for crying out loud, which is a godsend because, you know, with the decent prices that have gone up and all the um, phony reduction of um, inflation, which we know is a, a shell game. We actually have a value of a dollar that's worth less and less. Therefore, we need more and more of them. Uh, we've got to pay more and more for hay, but we don't get that much more at the market. So that's the way I I relate to the weather. Um, Ambassador Rooney, great to hear from you. And you're on the phone with us and we can go right off into any subject you want to talk about. Uh, you know, yesterday I had your, your uh, companion in the in the in Congress once upon a time, Ted Yoho on, and there were a couple of things. Of course, we talked about one was Ukraine, the other was the debt. Uh, anything you want to cover on that, or anything you want to talk about, you, we got you. How are you? Those are all very important issues, particularly uh, though maybe maybe the two two of the most challenging. I would also put immigration reform up there somehow too. We got to deal with our border, which is, as you know, the liberals don't want a border, and we need a border, but. So the Ukraine, uh, it's very hard to see what's going to happen here. I mean, I don't think Putin would mind killing every living Ukrainian. He doesn't care. He just wants the property. 
I think to Putin, the Ukraine, it's like when you buy a house and you just tear the house down and keep the lot. You know, that's a very good analogy. It certainly is. The other thing that's amazing about this uh, behavior is his, his willingness to sacrifice his own people. Yeah, 400,000 of them. Yeah, and, and, you know, just fire these young men into this impregnable defense right now for the but time that's being. Not the first, that's not the first time we've seen that. Look at Stalin killing 30 million people in Georgia in his purges. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, you know, there's a couple of problems here, and I know you've been, uh, as I as I say with uh, Ted, you guys have been in the belly of the beast there. Uh, we've got a half of, I can't I lose track of numbers that they're so big and abstract anymore, Ambassador, but um, 500 billion, did I get that right? Am I losing, running out of fingers and toes? What's what, what are we talking about here? Well, it's just outrageous. You know, if you look at a chart of the increase in government spending by administration, uh, Bill Clinton was the last fiscally responsible president we had. I mean, George Bush doubled the debt. Obama doubled that debt. And Trump doubled that debt in half the time. And now Biden's probably come close to doubling it again. We're just spinning ourselves into a, a abyss. The problem is there doesn't seem to be anybody there who can uh, put the brakes on it. Um, this is uh, this is. I don't think we've got enough all hands on deck and Republican Congress to make it happen. Not with the Senate and the President Biden. Um, so what are we going to do here? Just watch Rome burn? Is this what you see? I mean, ironically, you are involved with Rome, of course. But uh, is this what we're going to stand? Here's here's the sense that I have and Ted has. And what keeps us coming back to this show in a lot of way, Ambassador, is that we really feel that America is dying. You know what I'm saying? And it's from a number yeah. of forces, China, uh, even South America. Uh, of course, uh, maybe you can pick up on that theme and refute me or perhaps uh, uh, you know, expand on it, sir. Well, I, I kind of agree with you. We, we have had a um, we've seen a lot of world powers decline from the from inside, rot, basically. Greece rotted, Rome rotted, Europe rotted, England rotted at the time of the turn of the century. Really, Germany didn't rot. They just became too aggressive for anybody. But now we're rotting, and we're, we're divided, and we're distracted, and we've got a defense budget that spends three times as much as China, and, half, and as much as the rest of the world combined, we can't even have any money to build any ships. China spends $260 billion and they're building a lot of ships. So go figure all that. And there are a number of hot spots that can crank up and can put pressure on us. Here's another thing I want to feel venture an opinion on. Uh, Ron DeSantis has, has said that the reason this has even happened is um, Biden has been perceived by uh, Putin to be so weak. Uh, therefore, I can, you know, Obama was weak too. Obama let uh, uh, Putin go right into Crimea. Nobody really. We were talking about this yesterday with Ted. It, you know, we have to go back to Reagan, you know, before we can find somebody who made those people shiver. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when that balloon thing came up, I did a, a post, a tweet or Instagram or whatever my guy does for me that I said, what would Reagan do? He'd have shot that dang thing down as soon as it got to Alaska. Well, I can remember when Reagan uh, sent the jets up and took commandeered the plane coming out of Lebanon. You remember, you recall that, Ambassador, mm -hmm. over the Mediterranean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, that's a, a very serious problem that we have because really uh, every president since George Bush has appeased Putin. Bush, he went into uh, uh, Soviet Georgia, a place called Ussetia and Abkhazia, two places, and, and, and uh, put a Russian settlement there, and we didn't do a thing at all. In fact, Bush kept talking to Putin like they were buds. And then comes uh, uh, Obama, and they hit Crimea, and Obama makes a joke about it. Says, oh, we don't really care about that. They're just a regional power. So what's Putin supposed to think then? So then you get Trump in there, who was pretty strong and probably scared Putin a little bit, not being so unpredictable and willing to do tough things. And so you get Biden in there. He's an 80-year-old, doddering guy that can't put a sentence together. I don't blame Putin. If I was in Putin's shoes, this is the good time to hit us. You know, the other irony that jumps out at me, sir, is that we left all of the armament on the, in Afghanistan and we could use in Ukraine. I mean, come on. 
I mean, what? And that must be a particular plague of Afghanistan because the Russians did the same thing. When they pulled out, the Taliban took all their Kalashnikovs and stuff. Well, this $50 billion has really come down to what on the ground? Well, you know, boots on the ground does it cut, doesn't come down to uh, well, a certain number of tanks. But what really are we talking about when we throw those numbers around? Do you have any idea? Well, I think we have a lot of politically located bases that are probably not what you do if you didn't have to deal with congressmen and senators and politics. I mean, we've got bases all through the Midwest of the country from Tinker in, in Oklahoma up to Wright-Patterson up in Dayton, Ohio. I wonder if China's got a bunch of date bases spread out in the middle of their country or if they have them on the coast where, they need, where they're needed. You know, what really got my goat was here. We, we, we had a Hurricane Mike a few years ago that wiped out Tyndall Air Force Base in Panama City. They're spending billions to rebuild it. It's not even useful for anything. You can't land anything on it but a Sabreliner 40. Well, the goal, of course, is uh, Putin is, uh, according to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, which, of course, I read an awful lot of different things. This is an opinion page. You know, it remains unchanged for Putin. And that is to control most or all of Ukraine and to incorporate it into a a Russian empire. Um, So he thinks he can outlast the Ukrainian government. And, it's uh, you know, where's NATO? I guess that's what we're driving at. Where is NATO in all this? Uh, Once again, it appears to us. Uh, who are sitting on the sidelines as, as, as talk show guys, that we're just once again kind of putting the bill and uh, NATO is kind of just uh, dragging their feet. Yeah, I think they've been reluctant to engage NATO because they don't want to give Putin uh, a rationale for escalation. But I'm not sure it's going to, we're going to be able to avoid NATO. Biden spoke yesterday pretty strongly about NATO, but um, we we really have got ourselves in quite a box. I mean, do we really want to go and have a world war over the Ukraine? Well, the fastest route to peace is, according to the opinion page I'm referencing here, is to defeat Putin. Uh, but that would be the best. That would be the best to defeat Putin. What would it take, though, to defeat Putin? Well, it's probably going to take either a massive amount of engagement in a more direct manner than just giving it all to Ukraine, which would be highly dangerous because then we would be fighting Russia. And it might take some uh, corrosion from within. I've been hopeful, hasn't happened yet, but I've been hopeful that the sanctions and things and taking all these plutocrats, oligarchs, um, material possessions away from them would create some civil unrest in Russia, that people would miss the Western products that they've gotten used to for 40 years and and that would become a destabilizing force. But I can't really tell, I, say I've read anything that uh, uh, would support that at this point. Do you see China's uh, intervening on the sides of Russia, or is that just some sort of public posturing to uh, saber rattle a little bit? I, I think that China is going to help them behind the scenes and maintain plausible deniability, just like they do everything else. They're never above board about anything. And Iran, too, is supposedly supplying drones. Anything to that that you know of in your listing post? Uh, I've heard that, that they were supplying them drones. And I wouldn't, I, they're, they're the same way as China. They, they don't really care about any principle in this, this concept of an anti-Western world, of, of these authoritarian countries that are not from the Western Hemisphere uniting around us is starting to gain some traction among North Korea, Russia, Iran. China. And that's kind of dangerous for us. Well, one of the things that Putin has done that has been kind of very intelligent, clever, or uh, whatever adjective you want to make it, he is, he, 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 I've heard him proclaim this, that he's actually defending the values of the West that the West has um, stopped defending and become caught up, the West has become caught up in these irrelevant issues. And I have to sort of go along with this. I mean, we're arguing about critical race theory. We're arguing about gender. Uh, we're arguing, where the hell does this fit into anything significant towards the survival of the nation, uh, Ambassador? Well, there's, there's half the country that would disagree with that. I'm not part of it, but half the country would disagree with it and feels that this is critical things that we need to do. I, I think it's totally distracted from 
maintaining a strong United States. It's focused on having its place in the world and having a strong economy. Well, we put a lot of stock in trying to return Congress, as you know, you were part of it, uh, to some sort of Republican control, barely hanging on with our fingertips. But we discussed, Ted and I and all people I've discussed this with on and off this program, is where is leadership going to come from? Um, we haven't had a leader. I'm just going to put this out there for debate. Um, I guess since Reagan, I, I'm, I'm, you know, you can correct me, but it's, it's tar- you know, yeah. use that as a hypothesis anyway. Yeah, in the in the uh, foreign policy area, I'd agree with that. In the domestic area, I'd throw Clinton in there too. He did a pretty good job. He let Robert Rubin from Goldman Sachs run the economy, and we had a great economy for eight years. So you separate you separate the domestic from the foreign. Uh, to me, I think now the foreign, if I take Putin at his word, is a result of the domestic uh, lack of tranquility, if you will, that is distracting us from our real issues. Uh, that is oh, sure. making, you know, making, basically making those guys read everything that's going on in this country, and they know exactly how divided and distracted we are. You know, almost every university has something called a Confucius Center, which is basically an intelligence gathering post for China and a way to keep track on their Chinese students. So they know everything we're doing, and it's got to paint a pretty weak picture. Furthermore, I had a concerned farmer contact me yesterday, of all places, from Illinois. I'll run this by you, Ambassador. Um, there, it's a kind of interesting tale. They, this is an old farm uh, uh, family, and one of the old older ladies in the family had dimension was in the home, and they'd run out of money to take care of her, so they decided they'd sell some of their farmland so they sold 70 acres and they actually sold it by auction. And what they were so amazed by, this is just farmland in the middle of corn country in Illinois, is that uh, it brought $12,000 an acre. And they were blown away because you can't farm paying $12,000 an acre. And so they called me, actually called me, Ambassador, and said, we think this is China operating through a front man buying American farmland. Nobody else who's a real farmer would pay that amount of money per acre for farmland. That's pretty strong per acre. I have heard that China's been buying up a lot of farmland in the United States. Well, they are article the Wall Street Journal. They're convinced that this is the same way in which Disney did Anaheim and Orlando. And as you know, come in with individual uh, salespeople representing supposedly just wanting a few acres here and there, but actually working for the same entity, Disney, and then stitching it all together at the end and uh, getting this uh, kind of land at a bargain. They contend that China's doing the same thing now to American farmland. And that has to do with the balloon flying over. I don't know how far to go with these uh, ideas. Every once in a while, when I go down this rabbit hole, I say, you know, am I losing it? Or I don't know. I, you know, it's kind of difficult, Ambassador, to tell anymore when you're losing it, when you're not losing it. And that's why we interview people like you who have some sort of other perspective, hopefully a little more sober and objective, if you will, than the hysteria of the contemporary media, which uh, has a narrative they accept or you can't talk, you know? Um, Yeah. You know, what's your take on where we are in terms of information and disinformation? Well, I think that the First Amendment's kind of being thrown out the window on college campuses by these horribly liberal professors by a lot of the uh, liberal news media. They just, it's kind of a monolithic, uh, almost authoritarian way that they insist on having uh, their view perpetrated and accepted rather than discussed. Not a good thing. You know, the word liberal used to mean, as I remember, open-minded. And uh, uh, and it's become, and this is not just the only word that's been, if you will, coded. Uh, you have to learn how to decode these words. Liberal now means closed-minded. Um, if you don't agree yeah. with my opinion, I don't want your opinion. In fact, get off the campus. Look at all the criticism of the University of North Carolina for wanting to put in a new school that is dedicated to making sure all sides and opinions are aired. Well, we have a situation, too, where we uh, uh, thrown, basically replaced the word meritocracy with the word equity. and. Um, this yeah. is this is a huge cultural shift now, Ambassador. I mean, this is quantum shifts here. Um, uh, you know, where do we, you know, this is a, 
this is not good. I mean, we're not throwing out the excellent uh, just because it embarrasses the mediocre. And yet that's what really equity translates into. Uh, I think one of the big rebellions, sir, is taking place at the school board level. And I think DeSantis is on to this. He understands this. And, uh, you know, school boards are local boards, as you know, uh, elected and governed by local people, but have enormous influence over the shaping of the minds of the youth. And um, he's catching all sorts of flack for that. What do you think DeSantis's future is? Uh, how does he line up in your mind? Uh, uh, they're afraid of him, I think. Uh, uh, they've already tried to destabilize his image, if you will. It's one way I say it. Um, any opinion on where he might be going with uh, his uh, combativeness over the woke agenda? I think Ron DeSantis is going to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So you think very soon? I think he's got the best chance right now of replacing Biden. And uh, I notice that the polling doesn't seem to want to suggest that. I don't trust polling, of course. Um, it's, um, you know, stupid in, stupid well, out. The so polling that I saw did show that it's a bit of a horse race in the Republican primary. So that's pretty good that, that the governor of Sanders has that much support. Well, Trump's still ahead, but there's a lot of water to go into the bridge between now and when that primary is. These primaries are. Definitely, definitely is going to be. Uh, well, he's not even really declared, and already he's been declared by, if you would, uh, the, the hopeful and uh, uh, the ones who project into the future. I happen to feel that he's the only one we can get to straighten this stuff out, but there's going to be an enormous attack on him. Talk about, if you will, the lack of faith anymore in our critical institutions. I'm thinking of the FBI, the CIA, Clapper. Brennan, these type of people. What you know, some people even go so far as to say we need to dismantle those organizations, start all over again. That's not going to happen. Um, what do you? What's your take on that? I, I don't think. I don't think the CIA has depreciated itself. I think that Brennan was probably the most liberal director of Central Intelligence we've ever had. He got a little political at the end, but uh, certainly, uh, the, the, on the other hand, certainly the FBI did. I've seen all the classified on that. Uh, uh, terrible use of that fake uh, dossier by that steel guy paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign. And the people on that FISA warrant went all the way up to the top of the FBI. And that stuff that those workers, of that stroke and his girl, girlfriend were talking about, that was disgusting. The misinformation about uh, um, the campaign that was presented systematically and continuously you know, a, a Lois Lerner, she still works for the government, doesn't she? I think she does. Uh, she I don't know, probably. I don't think they ever get rid of anybody. Yeah, I don't think so. But anyway, uh, that started, you know, that sort of pressure being put on um, uh, the, the Tea Party in those days, which now is uh, pretty much, I think, defunct. I don't see another, um, you know, Tea Party on the horizon. It was really, I think, created out of uh, an attempt to push back on Obama. Now, Ted uh, yeah. says that Obama's still running the country. Um, any comments on that, sir? Yeah, I've said that a lot. I've written it and I've said it. If you look at the number of executive branch appointments that were old Obama, recycled, recycled Obama people, it's huge. Yeah, I would have thought that a guy like Biden, who spent an entire life in politics, not that that's a good thing, but he's done it, um, would have a big Rolodex. But he's just gone back to all the Obama radical executive branch employees. Bernie Sanders even takes credit for having some of the uh, influence on Biden's agenda. Um, yeah, he has. And I think he did. And I think he's having an influence on uh, Biden right now, either directly or through liberal-minded surrogates like Elizabeth Warren. Well, I think they're going to dump uh, 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 Kamala Harris, are they not? I mean, this is the, this is the divi division and, and, and uncertainty inside the Democrat Party. And the discussion that I've been hearing is that they really don't have any uh, buddy to step up with the kind of charisma they need uh, in the Democrat Party to carry uh, the day. Um, that may be true. I also hear rumors of whether well, they get really desperate to put Michelle in there. But she said she doesn't. I've heard that, too. Yeah, I've heard that, too. I don't really. She's never really been particularly political, even when her husband was president. So I don't know. It seems like a long shot. But the Democrats have quite a problem. How do they get rid of 
a candidate that checks so many of their boxes. Right. And when they got one that could be stepping in there, they don't approve of either. And that's Harris. Uh, I noticed they tried to roll her out. This is my take on it and have her make a strong statement that Russia was cre creating crimes against humanity. Yeah, you, know, you know, okay, okay, but what are you going to do about that? How do you, you know, there is no court. To yeah, I think that I think the White House has given up on trying to turn her into a mouthpiece. Uh, I think not everything they've tried has turned out to be a failure with her. Well, I think uh, that's seeping out from under the doors of the Oval Office that that's the case. Uh, but the problem is they don't really have a good candidate, from what I can tell. They've got in the on in the cupboard, so um, it's. Um, it's going to be an interesting next two years. I, I am, um, and very soon, uh, one of the people here in the chat line is saying uh, they haven't heard anything from DeSantis that he actually is going to run. Um, uh, he's being pretty close to the chest with what he's up to. So that's true. I haven't heard a single word from him. Um, right now, he's busy trying to straighten out the state of Florida. And I think he's doing a pretty good he's job. He's doing a good job of it. I yeah, too. I, think I, I happen to think the country would be served really well with Ron DeSantis as, as president and also with Glenn Youngkin as president. We need people that have have accomplished a lot in their life and not just been professional politicians forever. And we need people that are strong enough to take hard stands. And both of those two have shown they will, especially in the area of the culture wars. And there certainly is such a thing as culture wars, which are um, really unfortunate to be front page on so many of the uh, information sources because it's not centered on what we need to do. Let's sum up of where we need to go, uh, if you would, Ambassador. Uh, we agree on immigration. We agree on the debt. Anything I'm leaving out that you mentioned or that you see? Well, I mean, you know, we could fix it. This country has been through a lot before. You know, Carl Rove made a talk down here in Naples a couple of weeks ago, and he went through all these uh, 1800s elections that he researched to write his book about McKinley and all these really aggressive partisanship, fighting in the House floor, et cetera. Times remind me of where we reminded everybody of where we are right now. So I said to Carl, I said, well, the problem with that, his thesis is, so it will get better. I said, well, the problem is it took a civil war to get to put that stuff behind us. So we're kind of in a bit of a cultural civil war right now. What was his reaction to that? Hey, yeah, sure, that's right. It's not good. Yeah, it's good a radical clash of values. You know, I mean, I think if it were up to me, if I was czar for a day, I would uh, figure out how to eliminate the highly partisan districts so that these elections don't take place in the primaries. Uh, we've gone from 26 percent House seats being highly partisan at the end of Clinton's term to over 80 now. So that's got to be one factor. Another factor would be the fairness doctrine for the liberal media that they've got to present both sides like we used to have till 1982 or something. And then the third thing I would go, the most important one of all, is term limits. You know, the founders never envisioned that this was going to be a professional political class of permanent politicians. And we're getting what you pay for when you have permanent politicians. Sclerosis. Well, we got a couple of very good examples. We've got, of course, the quintessential example being Biden. Uh, winds up with five houses and um, you know, obviously has, there's something to the laptop. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a lot there that we may get to, may not. Um, of course, Ted says that we have all these investigations. Uh, let's make something happen as a result of them. He says a lot of time in Congress has taken up with investigations that don't really do anything. January 6th investigation being a good example. Um, yeah, he's right about that. And, and really what I fear is they're going to overreach again. I mean, the Republicans with Chavitz, uh, under the uh, Benghazi hearings, made a martyr out of Hillary Clinton. How do you make a martyr out of her? Well, we've got to make a correction here soon, and we appreciate people like you coming on the show, Ted coming on the show, all of our guests. We try to trying to find a, a way to make a chorus here, and uh, you know, see if we can't make a change. It'll be uh, running at, sort of. Most of us feel like we're sort of running out of time here. There's a lot of dangerous things that are. Uh, kind of going unchecked, and nobody's correct. I think the best thing we can do is get Ron DeSantis or Glenn Youngkin in the White House. Well, I think you're going to find a lot of agreement on that. We'll wait and see. That's a that's a suspenseful beginning of, uh, for the future, is it not, sir? Thanks so much. We're out of time. Yeah, Thanks so much for calling in. I hope everything's going for good weather in Naples, and uh, 
You know, I, I teased Ted Yoho saying, you know, the only guy that term limited himself but shouldn't have. Uh, but um, you know, there you are. The good ones don't hang around, right? And uh, uh, the Biden's do. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's exactly right. That's a way Well, have a nice day. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. Thanks for calling in. That was Ambassador Francis Rooney to the Holy See, who used to be a representative in Congress, along with Ted Yoho, who is our guest on Wednesday. Uh, we featured him on the phone. He's traveling, so we couldn't do the Zoom uh, with you. So you heard the phone message, you heard the voice. And, of course, we had the first half hour here, our uh, conversation with the Dance Live National Ballet. And it's a fantastic event coming up called the Champagne Gala. So we hope you have a great day. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in to the Ward Scott Files. And I take care. Warthog Command Center out.